in case you spelled wrong inside there. Um, we're going to start off with going at Blake, and I didn't prep him for this. Blake, you were jumping up and down during the three-point contest. I want your immediate reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I lost. Yeah, I just became a fan instantly into it. Uh, it was so much uh, better organized, I thought, this year. It, last year, it seemed very rushed. But this year, it, it was, uh, I don't know, there's something, it really kind of took its own presence, you know what I mean? Uh, I had Kayla uh, before. I was saying, you know, Kayla's going to win, so I was very excited when she hit the money ball to go into the finals. And then, like, Allie Quigley is, like, uh, she's an alien. She's an alien, right? Like, she's an alien. Right, to Allie Quigley. Yes. I think it's so funny because so often we, we talk about uh, these people that, like, an Asia or a Sill or whoever is like, man, they're monsters because they look just so crazy. And then little Allie Quigley is like, hi, and then she rips your heart out. Like, oh, man, it's great. So it was, uh, that was a blast, and I thought it really did a good job creating its own space, and the crowd was hype, and I was hype. Oh, yeah. Even though I, uh, I lost a bet and have to buy Rachel a beer. Oh, yeah. Now, we're going to move on for a... Yeah. <laughs> he said it all. I will say, the thing that I noticed most about Quigley is how calm she was. Yeah. yeah. If you would have looked at her, you would have thought she was moving in slow motion. She was just like, I'll grab this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, she might need her own McBuckets shirt. Um, John, could you talk to me about uh, your overall thoughts? I mean, you're you're the host. You're, you're hosting us here for the All-Star game. Give me your thoughts on the game and uh, the weekend. Yeah. Um, as far as the game goes... For, from our standpoint, broadcasting, it, it, it was a lot of fun because we were able to broadcast the game, but at the same time, we brought in so many different guests. Uh, Coach Reeve joined us. Lisa Borders joined us. Taj McWilliams-Franklin, Cynthia Cooper. And so we had this conversation ongoing throughout the broadcast that was not necessarily, you know, watching the players run up and down, but much more about trying to promote what we're all here to celebrate, which is this league and the evolution of this league. And... Um, talking with Cynthia Cooper, I thought, was fascinating because she was part of the original dynasty, the Houston Comets. And, you know, now we're in the midst of, of another dynasty in, in the Minnesota Lynx in the fourth But at the same time, like, as much as maybe the Houston Comets team thought they were invincible, uh, you know, with the four championships right away, there's going to be another team that comes along that puts together a dynasty. And I think that's kind of... The, the interesting part about this game today is that you're looking at record breakers in Diana Taurasi, uh, Super, Rebecca Brunson, all these, you know, all-time greats. I call them like the, the legends of the game right now uh, that are still playing. But then you look at these younger players that are coming along, and you're thinking Asia Wilson could be, you know, the future rebounding champion. Uh, you know, could Skylar Diggins become the future assist champion? I mean, just on down the line. Uh, there's just incredible breadth of talent of the league, and to have it all here, to have all the different generations, I thought was was really, really special. And I thought it was just, you know, great for as much success as Minnesota has had uh, over the last seven years, and how great the fan base has been to be able to put all those legends, all that talent in front of that fan base. Just, just was a really fun way to celebrate the league for a weekend. You guys agree? Um, so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into a little bit more of a pressing issue in my mind. Oh boy. Growing the game. Yeah. We're going to go through here and I want everybody 
top of the head, first thing comes to your mind. What is something, one thing that can be done to grow the game, whether it's practical or impractical? You know, if it's something like put a giant billboard in every city, support, whatever it is, I'm going to go last. We're going to start with Rachel and move down the line. All right. Come on, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. that we, we can see the growth. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that I think you, you just get on Twitter alone and maybe it's because I'm in that bubble every day, but maybe, and I think we're seeing it just in this room right now, um, that, that what is going on with the league and, and just the way it's growing and, and this fight that we're having for these players right now um, and for women's basketball, just in general, uh, I think it goes far greater than just the WNBA. Um, I don't want to ramble on too much because I could get going forever, but I think in my mind, one thing that has got to improve, can I do two because I'm on the podcast? <laughs> you, can do, you can do three because you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah! 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 I think, I think the first thing that needs to happen is we need more consistency in the broadcasts. I think the, the, when, when I was growing up, and I mean, I played, so I obviously have a natural love for women's basketball, but it's like I knew Sunday afternoon I could get home from church and I could watch, you know, two to four hours of the WBA in the afternoon on ESPN. That was just a consistent thing that happened for me. Um, and honestly, it was probably the reason that I do have this passion for it and at least understanding for it because it was on. And I knew when it was on and it was easy to access. Um, you ask the younger generation, and when I say younger, I mean the high school age right now. How do you feel about the WBA? Who's your favorite player? Do you watch it? And, and the, I've asked it a lot because I'm trying to understand this generation and how to reach them. They will say, well, I don't, I don't know how to watch it. I don't know when to watch it. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, I think that is one part of it that has got to get, has got to improve. If it's every Thursday night, if it's every Sunday afternoon, you know, if we can somehow do that, that would be great. And then the second part for me is just somehow, and it, I guess it kind of piggybacks it. I already kind of mentioned it. Is we we have got to target that high school generation of players um, that probably. 14 to 18 year olds who play basketball, they love basketball, young girls who are out there playing AAU, they're traveling with their teams, they're out in these different cities where WNBA games are going on and we've got to find that connection to get them to a game. And it's like that free trial, you know what I'm saying? Like get them to that game and let them see it um, and they're going to fall in love with it. Just like everybody in this room has fallen in love with it and um, I have no doubt about that. So those are my two things. I think uh, that's been my big thing too. Is you know I know every Monday night during football season there's a Monday night football game, and I might not know who's playing, but I know hey it's 8:30. If I turn on ESPN, I'm going to watch football. So it, it, I think certainly that's one of my main ones too. If I know Thursday night's WNBA night, you know, and you forget, and then you look at the clock, you're like oh 8:15. There's a game on. Cool. That would be big. Yep. Uh, I think I'm just going to go kind of off here. I like the emergence of someone like a Liz Cambage who is almost taken a, you know, an approach of like, she's kind of the, the heel, right? She doesn't mind being the bad guy. She doesn't, she doesn't care if you don't like her. I think we need personalities like that. I think we need more, you know, levels and layers. If, you know, I love, I love basketball, like period. So like the NBA, I like the different layers. I like that 
you know, LeBron is who he is. I like that Kevin Durant is, you know, who he is. So I like just the different people and the different personalities. And I think the more the players grow into that comfort where Liz is very comfortable being Liz, <laughs> I think that's great, though, because she's like, hey, this is who I am. And so to be able to, to open up. And I think as we, you know, all cover the league honestly and earnestly, the players become much more comfortable, you know, being themselves and being open because we know they know that we are – you know, we're trying to grow the game for them as well. It's not we're trying to get you. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to help right. you be you and show the world who you are. So I think the more that emerges, uh, the better game is. Yep. So piggybacking off of Blake, I think that we need to make more of a social media presence because that is the future as much as we try to deny it. It's the rise of the influencer, the rise of Instagram, the rise of Snapchat, everybody's becoming increasingly nosy. So you want a player that you have, <laughs> it's true, uh, you want a player that you have connections with. Like Liz and I, I mean, no shade. We were up dancing in the press conference. Every reporter was looking like, what are y'all doing? And that's the type of connections the players need with the upcoming generation. The biggest gap is 18 to 35 though, because the high school, I, I get what you're saying, Rachel, but the, the real disconnect is 18 to 35. Because we were in a place where, I was talking to Michelle Vocal the other day about how they so long try to protect their players, try to protect them from their socialized get, lives getting out. And because we're a society that's based on social media right now, you have to find out what they're doing, when they're doing it, where they're doing it. It's, it's important to showcase that. So to answer your question, Arya, it, I would just like more exposure to the players' personalities and do one for the culture. You have to know your demographic. You have mm -hmm. to know who's involved in the league. And as a black woman, it's important for me to be in that locker room. It's important for Jasmine's, all of them that work at High School Suits. It's important for, <laughs> shameless plug, it's important for Chloe Pavlik, who's here too, to, to be in the presence of those players so that you can get that personality out of them. Get, get those um, quotes from them that, you know, can appeal to anybody across the board. So that is my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of things. Um, one is targeted towards the cities that have WNBA teams in them already. Um, with the exception of Minnesota, no one really covers the teams. Local people got to do better. Um, like, it was really great. We were just talking about this earlier, um, how so many media members are here for this All-Star game. Obviously, it's a great game. Um, but I would like to see that more um, across, across outlets, across cities. Um, but for people or for cities that don't have teams yet, I would like the WNBA or something to happen where um, – People just know about it. Like they just get to know it, um, and hopefully down the road, um, enough people get together in a city where the WNBA doesn't have a team yet. And like, hey, we want these athletes to come and join us. And I mean, there have been talks about expansion already. So who? I mean, who knows? So that's my thing. things come to mind. Selfishly, I work in radio and have for a very long time. And when I started, there were a lot more WMA teams that did radio. Uh, San Antonio did home and away. Indiana did home and away. Uh, Seattle did home and away. And slowly over the years, that's fallen off. 
until now. We here in Minnesota are the only team that does home radio, that travels radio, that covers the team on a daily basis. Um, when San Antonio, um, and it, uh, we're starting to see strides in that area. I know Las Vegas just signed uh, home radio. Uh, I know Eli, you and I have discussed it. I, I'm, you're trying to look into it. And so teams certainly are taking notice of it. But when you think about uh, it's, what do we play 34 games plus playoffs? That means 34 times uh, at minimum, yep. this game is on the air. And that means hosts are talking about it. They're previewing it. They're telling you what happened the night before. It's coming up later today. Uh, I know with our flagship station, after every game, we send them highlights. We send them sound bites. In the morning, when they go through their sports report, it's not just the Twins did this, Vikings training camp did this. They've got access to Lynx audio, to Lynx highlights. And we don't just do that with our flagship station. We work with... Uh, the Minnesota News Network, which has stations all over Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. I mean, it's incredible reach, and we send all that stuff to them. Now, it's up to the local stations to <laughs> take advantage of it, um, but it's another way that we're connecting day in and day out. You know, after every practice, we send them sound bites if they want to use them. So I think that goes a long way, especially if you're talking about a sports talk station where they're going to be talking about it. And if you've got uh, the game that night, you're going to be previewing it. You're going to be talking about the league. Um, and I think the other thing, too, that you know, none of us in this room really can fix, but I think we're seeing it this year, is a compressed schedule. Yeah. Yes. It, it almost just like endears itself to coverage. You know, I think back to last year, we had gaps of 10 days in between games. Yep. And it's hard for beat writers to come down every single day when you've got 10 days in and search for different storylines. But when you've got game, off day, game, off day, and there are storylines, and every day you're talking about or writing a story about last night's game or you're previewing the next night's game, it just lends itself to being covered day in and day out. And so I think that uh, would, would go a long way in terms of growing the game. And then the way this schedule works out, too, in that you know, you're not going to be buried. The finals aren't going to be buried by the NFL. The last couple of years, uh, Minnesota's gone to game five of the finals, and it's in mid to late October mm -hmm. when you're five, six weeks into an NFL season, and it's hard to compete with college football, NFL football, all of that stuff in the fall. So I, I really think that this season right now, I mean, the parity helps, but it's, it's kind of a case study of what could happen if this was the norm, yes. and you wrap up in, in August, and you start your playoffs before everybody's attention turns. Uh, yeah, put me on the spot. I agree with everything they've said. Um, <laughs> so that's Same. it. Um, so I personally, I mean, and a huge driving force behind why I started Insider was I felt when it came to just overall coverage of female sports, it is not viewed in the same light as men's sports. When the LA Sparks, shout out to the LA Sparks, when the LA Sparks lost in game five, how many articles did we see about Candace Parker's shot selection? Uh, Chelsea Gray's missed layup in the fourth minute of the game two. There was barely any. There was articles about how great LA was and they have a great roster and they're probably gonna win it next year or have an opportunity to win it down the road. It's not all lost. To me, excuse my language, that's bullshit. Like, if LeBron James 
goes one for 16 in the finals and his team loses, there's going to be 50 articles about why LeBron James had horrible shot selection. 500, sorry. But for me, I've always wanted to make the insider focused on the athletics, the athletes. Like, for instance, last year, Tina Charles, the, like very few articles I saw about her last year. She's one of the greatest players in league history, in my opinion. And the majority of articles I saw about her were about some amazing work she did donating, uh, what was it, defibrillators or whatever to places that couldn't afford it. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's amazing, and she's an amazing person for doing that. But if there's only one article about Tina Charles that's getting written, I want that to be about why she is even a name that anybody knows. Because she is an amazing athlete who does ridiculously mind-blowing things on the court. Yes. That, to me, it's, it, it comes, there's many things that we could do. For me, it's the reporters covering it as athletes just the way they would cover anybody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay, okay. Guys, I hate to be the bad news there, but there are people out there that want to get into basketball, never really played. I never played. Um, I think that having an aspect, I love what you do. I love the, the honest and critical analysis of the WMA <laughs> That is absolutely the catchphrase. But I love that space. But I think there also needs to be an equal space of covering, hey, Tina just saved this life because she donated her salary to getting that defibrillator, you know, for that man. Oh, yeah. So... That makes us a person who might not have paid attention to basketball be like, I like her. I'm gonna go into the arena and support her. They might not know what's going on. They might not know which shot she's shooting, but they're gonna be there and support her because they're like, she saved a life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna support that. You know, that's all I got. <laughs> if I could just throw in a shameless plug for the Victory Press, we're trying to do that, sort of. Um, I mean, we focus more on intersectionality, but we, I mean, one of the, this is my first year covering the league and for the Victory Press, so we're still experimenting a little bit, but one of the articles that I wrote was um, after the Sparks-Lynx game on July 5th, where Rebecca Brunson broke that rebounds record, and Cheryl Reeve broke the record for being the winningest female head coach, and Diana Taurasi broke something Woo! too. Yeah, um, common bond, they're all openly queer. So um, I, it's just to um, highlight that. So, um, but both places, more reporters in both places are needed, yep. I think. So, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that was what I was gonna say, both can exist. Yeah. Uh, and both should, both exist. should exist. Absolutely yep. Should. Yep. Uh, we got to show their personalities. We got to show who they are as individuals. We got to highlight what they're doing on the floor, um, day in and day out, what they're doing overseas. You know, yeah. with their careers over there. We need to talk about that more. There is so much that still has to be done. Um, and I, I, I agree. If, if we want to talk about the WNBA and, and, and grow it, it has to be critiqued like the NBA is critiqued. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got to have those tough conversations, and it can't always be rainbows and cupcakes all the time. <laughs> yeah. we've, we've got to have, we've, we've got to, you know, and the players, I, and I don't want to speak for them, but I would say they're they're okay with that. They, they would welcome that. Um, just that, that, you know, they played like crap. All right, yeah, you're right, I played like crap. Gwen, if Jewel played terrible and she saw an article, how Gwen. would she feel about that? She'd be like, you yeah, okay. I mean, it comes with the territory. You know what I'm saying? So when you're a professional athlete, 
that comes with being in that limelight. It's not like we're trying to call anyone out. Um, we want to highlight the good things. We want to highlight just what they're doing. We want to grow women's basketball at the end of the day, and I think everything we're saying is exactly what needs to happen. Yes, Rachel. Uh, I, would, I would just add one thing, um, because we in Minnesota are incredibly lucky to have uh, Cheryl Reeve as, as the head coach. And <laughs> Cheryl's commitment to growing the game, I mean, I think everybody who came in from out of state saw that this weekend, just oh, yeah, how committed sure. she is to that. And one of the things that, that I've always appreciated about Cheryl and my conversations with her is she's ready to teach you something as long as you're ready to listen. And then that in turn allows me to, you know, communicate that over the broadcast, which hopefully helps our fans understand some of those things, which means your fans come in and they're a little bit better educated about what's happening. And then that just, you know, it, it continues to have a ripple effect. And so I think in Minnesota, we're incredibly lucky to have someone oh, yeah. so committed to that. Uh, to be able to start that ripple effect. And if you don't listen to Cheryl's podcast, I don't know what you're doing because <laughs> you get a lot of really good insight in that, uh, that that's applicable not just to the Minnesota Lynx, but you know it, it opens your eyes to different trends and stuff to look for across the league. So you know, I, I think she is an incredible ambassador in that regard to growing the game um, and, and is one of those people who starts the ripple. I agree with all that. Yeah. Now for a fun one. Top two MVP candidates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh no. Moving down the line. Um, uh, Blake, Blake will take it Blake, first, and he better Blake say Subert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Subert. Yeah, yeah, she gets the legacy vote. Um, for me, it's, it's, honestly, for me right now, it's Stewie and then everyone else. Um, best player, best team. I know it's, sometimes that's a, a kind of a cop-out way to do it, but... What she's done, I mean, Seattle was bad last year. They were really, really bad. And mm -hmm. they shouldn't have been. You know, you look at it and go, why were they so bad? But they were. And now they're probably going to run away with that, that top spot. Um, no. Oh, my God. I just moved here. My bad. You're crazy for that, dude. Hey, can you scratch? <laughs> you got me. Thank you. <laughs> Scrub, scrub that. Do not tell Cheryl Reeve I said that. Please. Oh gosh. Um, so after that, it's and I'm going to I'm going to go against. I know a lot of people want to say Liz Cambage, which certainly I, I'm not going to push back too hard. But my my big thing is that last year in the playoffs, Dallas was a seven seed or six seed, if I'm not mistaken, and currently they're the seven seed. So for me, if you are an MVP candidate and you take that huge leap. There should be some change. Now, the league's so tight, in two weeks, Dallas could be in second place, and I could be sticking my foot in my mouth. But <laughs> as it currently stands today, which is how I'm approaching the discussion, if it ends today, who wins the MVP? It, it's got to be Stewie. Her team made a huge leap, whereas, uh, again, if you want to say Liz and you want to remove the team argument, I, I would certainly accept that um, because she's been fantastic. And then last one, and I'll stop. Uh, I think I think based on team success, if they're able to jump up the standings, I think Asia Wilson. Oh, yeah. Um, you just, you're just testing it. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a team that, uh, again, missed the playoffs. It was very bad. And then you, you insert her, and she's she's been dominant. If Team Deladon wins, you know, she probably would have won MVP tonight as well. So um, I think those are the three. But for me, uh, Stewie's on top. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
I wholeheartedly agree with Blake, actually. Um, I never really considered that. I'm getting educated. with him at all? Well, actually, like, you know, I can't go against my teammate right here. All right. Anyways, but I, I was just educated. And see, this is, this is what's important about it. It's like, if you didn't see a perspective, you have coverage, then we'll tell you. Like, people that follow the game, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm here for it. There you go. So, hey, I, I was going to go with Stewie and Liz, but you know what? One sec. Just everyone's entitled to your own opinion. You sure are. But if it differs, but if it differs with mine, it's probably wrong. I think I said this earlier uh, about who, like, which team could win, the, um, win it all. If anyone knows the right answer, they should enter the lottery because they know something we don't. Everybody, a lot of people could be in that conversation for MVP. Um, oh my goodness. Obviously, Stewie yeah. is really good this year. Um, for a team that's made kind of a... suddenly their offense kicked in. But it's, I mean, I think their MVP has been their defense. And then you look, I mean, at Minnesota, at Phoenix, at LA, um, you know, those teams, Washington, that are bunched all together there. If any one of those teams were to make a run, there's a deserving candidate on each and every one of those teams. So this is one of those situations where, and I don't know how the league's going to do it, but when they send out their, their ballots for MVP, I hope they wait as long as humanly possible because (laughs) sometimes you feel like it comes too early. I mean, like, even the all-star stuff this year felt like it came too early uh, because we had to have them in by, whatever, sometime in early July. And then Atlanta ripped off eight straight and and so on. Like, does that change with – what's that? Right. And so if if you send those, if if you if you vote on those later, maybe does that change? You know what I mean? Uh, but there's also there's many components to it. There's the fan vote, the everything else. Um, but anyway, Stewart 
and then we'll see what happens. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Um, to me, it's Stewie simply because no other team has had someone who has been so dominant in every facet of the game yep. from day one to day 24, 25, wherever we're at right now. Um, Stewie, even games where she's not getting her buckets, she's assisting, she's rebounding, she's doing other things. Yep. There's no other player, and I don't say this very lightly, there's no other player in my mind that is near, that it, like kind of what you said, it's, it's Stewie and then everybody else. Yep. Because every team, like for instance, LA, when Candace goes down for a couple games, NECA was in MVP form. Then when NECA goes down for a couple games, Candace is in MVP form. Yep. You And uh, I love the links. no one on their team right now is MVP worthy. Just saying it, because Maya had eight amazing games, but then had a couple down games. Sylvia's had a couple down games. Stewie has just been consistent throughout. She's got my vote. And yes, shout out to biggest snub WNBA history, uh, 